Well, good morning and welcome, whether you're in the room or watching online today. We're so glad that you have joined with us. I do want to make one small clarifying point because this is on the internet and I don't want any bad. We don't want you to execute people, right? <laughs> Pastor Chase just wants you to execute by inviting the people you've been praying for. And if you're listening close, Chase said execute people. That's not what we're about at Great Oaks. So no rumors, no internet memes, nothing. We're, we love people. We're not executing them. All right. Whew, sorry. I had to give him a little bit of a hard time too because he gets me all the time. So do you feel the world is broken? We do. That is the opening line to Andrew Peterson's beloved Christmas hymn, Is He Worthy? And I don't know about you, but as I sit and look at the world around us, I kind of want to scream, yeah, I do. If you're not familiar with what a hymn is, it's just old church music played on an organ. They've kind of fallen out of style lately, but the words are really meaningful. And I think if we look around, we see and we feel the brokenness all around us. It tears at our hearts. 2020 was a year of loss. I think maybe 2021 has been a year of rebuilding, or at least trying to rebuild, trying to establish some kind of routine, only to have to change or adjust again and again. For many of us, it's been a year of fear. It's been a year of anxiety. It's been a year of sadness as we continue to lose people. It's been a year of uncertainty. And at its core, it's been exhausting. We have lived through change after change after change in our culture and in our world. Even inside the church. I think we at Great Oaks have seen a fair amount of change in the last year. There's a new bald guy on stage. What are we going to do with that? And in some ways, we've been living in constant survival mode. And whether we realize it or not, the tension is beginning to build. We're watching and waiting to see what happens next. Right? All you have to say is, new variant, Omicron. And everyone's like, oh boy, now what? We feel that tension. We feel that pull. Maybe 2021 could best be described as a year of Advent. If you didn't grow up in the church or you haven't been around the church very long, Advent is a church season. And the church has these seasons, and the seasons have the ability to shape our worship and hopefully our attitudes as we walk in and out of those seasons inside the church. I'm not talking about spring, summer, fall, winter, but church seasons. Advent simply means coming or arrival. And during this season, the church takes a posture of waiting. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I hate waiting, right? And Christmas is all about waiting. I was even worse at it as a kid. So I would be the one, my mom made the rule, you could get up before everybody else on Christmas Day. You couldn't wake anybody up until 7 a.m. But when you got up before 7 a.m., you could go downstairs into our basement where a Christmas tree was and all the presents, and you could open your stocking. So I don't know. I think it was 9 or 10. I woke up. I just could not sleep. It was 4 a.m. 
So I go downstairs, I get my stocking. Normally in my stocking was like a G.I. Joe man or two, some Lifesavers candy. So I think I'd eaten four rolls of Lifesavers. It's, and, and I'd played with my G.I. Joe man. I was bored. It's now 5.15. So what am I going to do? I got to wait for another hour and 45 minutes. I was dying. So I thought, I know how Christmas works. Somebody has to sit and pass out the gifts from underneath the tree. I'm going to help everybody out. So I knew where everybody sat, right? My mom sat in the same spot. My brother sat in the same spot. I sat over here. My grandma was always right there. So I go and I start taking all the gifts from under the tree and I piled them up. Somebody's laughing because they know what's about to happen. I piled them up so that everybody had their spot. They had their gifts. We could just tear in and start opening up. I went and woke my mom up, 7.01, I can guarantee you. It was probably 7 o'clock when I left the basement, 01 by the time I got to her room. Mom, time to get up. She's like, oh, okay. She comes downstairs and she's like, what have you done? And I was like, why am I in trouble? I thought I made it. I, nobody has to sit. We can all sit in our chairs. We can open up gifts. She's like, we didn't get a picture. <laughs> so now my waiting continued because I had to pound all the gifts back underneath the tree. Oh, I hate waiting. But the Israelites of the Old Testament waited for centuries and centuries for the Messiah to come. The one who would set them free, their king, the savior, the one that the prophets spoke about. And now as followers of Jesus in 2021, we join them as we wait. We wait to celebrate Jesus' first coming. And we wait with hope for his coming again. When he'll make all things right. The last line of the first verse of Peterson's hymn is, do you wish you could see it all made new? We do. I don't know about you, but that sums up my deepest hope. In this Advent and in each one to come that we wait, we hope, we pray, we cry out for God to make it all right by his standards not by ours. And I think those desires line up well with the truth of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9. So if you have your phones or your Bibles, you want to pull those out, open them up. We're going to start out today in Isaiah chapter 9, but we're going to hop all over. So if you want, you can go to the Version Bible app. Down at the bottom of that page, there'll be a little button that says more. You can click there, click events. And uh, you can find Great Oaks Community Church. You'll be able to follow along right there. But if you want to and you think, I'm really fast at flipping in my Bible, let's see how good you are. We're going to test you a little bit today. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies among the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Darkness, despair. Doesn't sound like things were going much better for Israel, as Isaiah writes, than they are for us today in 2021. But these verses are laced with a hope that point to a brighter future. Words that speak to the hope the Israelites felt 
But maybe it's in that point of darkness and despair and pain that Advent means the most. Pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Those who know themselves poor and imperfect and look forward to something greater to come. So if the troubles we experience us today prepare us for a better experience of Advent, maybe the question we have to ask is, who are we waiting for? Isaiah's answer comes just a few verses later in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. For Isaiah, at the time he writes this prophecy, it was about a new king. A king who would come and set Israel free. From its current oppression, Israel's in slavery as he writes this to the Assyrian uh, Empire. And he's writing to them about this boy who would be born a king. And as followers of Christ, we've seen those things be true in Jesus' life. This king and Jesus would come to bring light to the darkness. They would come to rule with justice. To provide freedom and joy to an oppressed and enslaved people. And to be a reminder of God's presence in our lives. So as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we celebrate and we wait for an eventual end to our pain and suffering. And we see God show up in our lives as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. We can read through these names and they've probably become so casual or so normal to some of us that we don't see the depth of the meaning they have. But as we prepare for Christmas this year, we want to sit and think about what is in a name? What's the meaning behind these names? If you were here last week, Pastor Dan did a fantastic job kicking us off as he talked about what it meant for Jesus to be our wonderful counselor in our everyday lives and that he's our source of wisdom. So today, what's it mean in 2021, Monday through Saturday, in our normal life, for Jesus to be mighty God? Now, if you miss everything else I say today, don't miss this. The bottom line or the main point of this talk is Jesus is the mighty God who has the strength for all of our brokenness. You and I don't have the strength, but Jesus has the strength for all of our brokenness. And as we worship him as mighty God, we see those truths begin to be evident in our lives. First, Jesus has the strength to create out of nothing. This is maybe one of the most profound things we can say about who Jesus is. Listen to the words of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, which are going to be familiar to many of you. Actually, I'm sorry, this is verse 2. The earth was formless 
and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said. Don't miss that. There's no chemistry set here. Jesus didn't like go get out his like beginner chemistry that he got for Christmas. He unwrapped it under the tree and he starts to create. He starts to put the elements together to form water. No, God speaks. And at the power of his voice, light appears in the sky. And at the power of his voice, land appears and water gathers. At the power of his voice, animals are created and trees are created and plants are created. The God we worship, the mighty God who came as an infant in the manger, is the God who spoke and everything we see around us was formed. He brought order out of chaos. He formed the vastness of our galaxy. And he did it with the precision of a neurosurgeon. We still thousands and thousands of years later, maybe millions, we'll get into that later, but a long time we've been waiting. God created this world, everything we see, and we're still discovering new aspects of his creation. And yet he did it in such a way to tilt our earth at exactly the right angle, 23 and a half degrees, so that when it rotates, we experience seasons. We get to see life form and bloom in the spring and live all through the summer and then come to die in the fall and then new life come again in the spring after winter. If we're tilted just a little bit more or a little bit less, those seasons don't happen and they become extreme. But the God who has the power to create out of nothing has the power to do it perfectly and exactly the way he wants. And this God who created the magnificence of the galaxy is the one who created us and the intricacies of our body. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day passed. God's mighty power has the knowledge to know who we are and who he created us to be. He has all he needs to create all of that. The Israelites in Isaiah 9 are crying out for the God they know, the one who speaks to the prophets to come and create a new kingdom for them out of the nothingness of their slavery. Out of the nothingness of their life, they believe that this God will establish his government where none exists. When we say that this mighty God has the power to act in our lives. The truth of the gospel is that the mighty God is the baby born in a manger. In the most humble of ways. This baby was the savior of the world. He didn't come in glory and extravagance. He came humble. And he's the mighty God we need today. Paul says this in Colossians. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, Jesus, and for him. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus today, our faith is in the creator of the perfect, uncorrupted world before sin. The visible image of the unseen God. He's the one who knows you intimately. For some of you, he numbered the hairs on your head. For the rest of us, that was an easy task. But he's the one who has the power to do something amazing in your life. And he doesn't need anything from you to do it. The fact that God can create out of nothing allows us to rest and to provide hope for our future. We don't know when he'll come back, but we know he will come back because he has the power to create new or restore the old from the brokenness of its original form. Our faith is in a mighty God who has the power to create out of nothing. Jesus is that mighty God, and he's the strength for all of our brokenness. And when life looks impossible and we seem to have no hope, we can find comfort in the fact that God we worship knows us, knit us together, and has the power to act on our behalf. And maybe the most impressive way we see that power is when he brings life to places of death. Jesus has the strength to bring life to places of death in our lives. Let me explain what I mean by that. It's all throughout the pages of scripture. Maybe you're familiar with Abraham. So Abraham's a guy, if you're not, that God called, he's gonna create a nation out of him. It says, Abraham, your kids are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the grains of sand on the seashore. You're going to be my people, and I'll create a nation out of you. Abraham goes, great. And God says, I'll bless you, and then you can bless others because of the way that I blessed you. Awesome. So he leaves where he lives and goes to a new land. And he keeps waiting, right? God, you're going to bless me. I'm going to have a lot of kids. I'm going to have a lot of kids. When we pick up the story today in Genesis chapter 17, Abraham's 100 years old, 99. And his wife is 90. There's no kids. I don't blame Abraham for the reaction he has in the story we're going to read. Think about it. There aren't too many 99-year-olds having babies right now. I mean, I'm 43. That thought terrifies me. I don't want another baby. God talks to Abraham in Genesis 17, 15. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, Her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. This is it. Don't miss it. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. I'm amazed he kept it that composed. I don't think I'd have just laughed to myself. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought, and how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God replied, no, Sarah, 
your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will call him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. My covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. Right? So God says you're going to have a kid. Abraham laughs. Totally get it. I think we all get it. But he's already had another son. He and Sarah realized this wasn't going to happen. Her womb is dead. There's no life there. They've went through the time when all their friends had kids, and they didn't. That's a hard reality to come to. But that's where they are. And so Sarah says, Abraham, I don't know what to do. God told me we were going to have a lot of kids. My womb's dead. Here's my servant girl. Have a son with her. And so he does. And they have Ishmael. And God says, no, 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 no. Abraham, I'm the God who brings life to places of death. I'm the God who brings life to where everybody else said it's dead. And if you know the story of the Bible, Sarah at 90 years old becomes pregnant with Isaac. It's not the only place in the Old Testament it happens. He leads the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and they're free, right? They were dead in slavery. Life has come and now they run, but the Egyptians are coming behind them. And so I've got death coming behind me from the Egyptian soldiers and I've got death by drowning in front of me at the Red Sea. And God says, I am the one with the power to bring life out of places of death. See, part. And they walk across on dry land. God brought life to the Israelites. To Daniel in the lion's den who follows God, does what he's supposed to do. The king gets mad, throws him in a lion's den. This is like the Bible story I want to live. I'm not going to lie. Like, I want to pet a lion more than anything. They just look so cuddly, right? And Daniel got a chance because he's in a place of death. Lions eat people. That's what they do when they've been starved. No, this one's like a house cat. God closes its mouth. We don't actually know what happened. But God provides life for Daniel. And then, Jesus, the visible image of the invisible God, comes as a baby into our world. As God, creator out of nothing, the one with power to bring places to life out of places of death, himself goes to the cross. You see, the God we worship is mighty and strong, but not in the ways we think, not in like Avenger type strong, like ready to save the world in his super suit with his incredibly great looks and his incredible strength. No, he's the mighty God who came to serve, to sacrifice, and to eventually go to that place of death. Paul's words in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God 
and died a criminal's death on a cross. Mighty God goes to the place of death and brings life out of a tomb. Don't miss that. He went to our place of death and walked out of the tomb to bring life. If death couldn't keep Jesus in the tomb, then there is no threat to the gospel. If death couldn't hold Jesus in the tomb, we're free to live and to love the way we've been loved by the Father. Paul says this in Ephesians, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us, me and you, who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The power that God used to bring Jesus back to life is available to you and I. Jesus, the mighty God, is the one who gives us the strength to overcome sin. As you think about where you're at in life today, is there a sin you're trapped in? You're just, you feel like, I pray for forgiveness for this sin every day. It's through Jesus' resurrection and the power that's available to us as Christ's followers that we can be set free from that. Maybe there's a relationship that's broken or stressed, right? It's the holidays. Family's coming. I don't know what that means for you. I know sometimes that's not as celebratory as we think it is. Do we need the mighty power that brought Jesus out of the grave to heal a relationship? To heal a friendship, to heal a family? To help us, to help us dream again about the things that God wants for us? Do we need the power that raised Jesus from the dead to be active in our life for physical healing? You see, Jesus is the mighty God who has the strength for all of our brokenness. And it's the strength that brought him back from death. Lastly, Jesus has the strength to provide rest for the weary. Take a look at Psalm 91, verses 1 through 4. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. I trust him for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. You see, it's Christmas time. Great, right? We're all excited, right? You guys all sort of cheered when Chase asked you if you're ready for Christmas. Christmas is exhausting. Isn't it? We got presents to buy. We got food to cook. We got a house to clean. We got decorations to put up. We got parties to go to. We got events to attend. We got Christmas concerts for our kids or for the school. It's like one thing after another. And if we're honest, it gets kind of weary. Yet a baby shows up in a manger. 
And he says this about his ability to give us rest, to be our refuge, our rock, and our stronghold. Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. If you're weary today, Jesus has the strength to give you rest. For those of us who are burnt out, exhausted, or heavily burdened from last year, Jesus begs us to come and find rest. If you're here this morning and you're tired, I get it. 2021 has been exhausting. I mean, it feels like it's been like 10 years in one. Right? Like, I mean, I I heard this on the news this week, and I'm not going to get into the politics of this. This was just an event that shaped my mind, and I was like, that was this year? It was January 6, 2021, the Capitol was stormed. That That was not a year ago yet. That feels like a decade ago to me. has been exhausting for me too. It's been a year where God began to work in my life and say, hey, you know what? I I think I've got something different for you. And that was really exciting. Meant I got to move out of the frozen tundra of Minnesota into the dreary rain of central Illinois, but it's really exciting. But with all of that stuff, it brings a lot to do. Pack a house. Pack a loading truck. Navigate the emotions of a 10 and 13 year old as you get ready to leave their friends and leave their school and come to a new place. Navigate the emotions my wife and I had as we said goodbye to really great friends and hello to new, really gr- good new friends. It was full of graduating seminary and then figuring out what that actually means. It's been full of praying Corey finds a new job and that God continues to open the doors. It means settling into a new community, a great community, but it's different. And how do you make those adjustments? Constantly adjusting. It's stretched my understanding what the gospel means in our lives today. What's it mean to stand for the truth of the gospel and interact on issues of justice, homelessness, loving our neighbor? Those things, they're all great, right? Nobody would look at that and be like, oh, you're growing and you're understanding the gospel? That's a really bad thing but they keep us on edge and they build that tension in our lives. And they're exhausting sometimes. And Jesus says, come to me. I have the strength to help you rest. You're not alone in all these changes. You're not alone in all this movement. I will walk with you. I will be the rest you need. I can believe that I can have my hope in that. I can find peace in that because I can look back in my life at other times when he did it before. 
And I hope you can too. But I hope you embrace the weariness that comes. And we rest in the God who's bigger than all of that. So as we wait for Christmas, wrapping presents, making cookies, decorating the inside and the outside of our house, serving and loving those around us, where do we need to see and feel the presence of a mighty God? As we pray for him to show up with the power that only he has to bring peace and justice and fairness found only in his character. We must also remember this is a time of waiting. So we might not get those answers right away. The Israelites cried out for centuries for the Messiah to come and set them free. And when he came, he came differently than they expected. He didn't come as a conquering king. He came as an infant in a crib. So as we wait, we join other followers of Jesus who have waited before us and who will wait after us, trusting that we're not alone, but that God is good and that one day he will come again. The chorus of that hymn we started with, He is Worthy. I hope these words are on our hearts. The verse, the first part is sang by the leader of the church. And don't worry, I promise you, I will not sing. You'll never come back. And the second part is sung by the congregation. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. It is good that we remind ourselves of this. It is. So be reminded that Jesus is the mighty God who has the strength for all of our brokenness. God makes us people who depend on his mighty power. And it's in that mighty power that we learn to love our neighbor well. May that be the cry of our heart. To depend on God and to love our neighbor well as we wait for Christmas. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, you can almost feel the burden come off our shoulders when we realize we're not in this alone. That you are mighty. More mighty than anything we can comprehend. We can't even comprehend what it would mean to create out of nothing. We hear stories of people being brought from death to life. We read them on the pages of Scripture, but God, we can't comprehend that power. And yet, for you, that's who you are. That's your nature. That's what you want to do for us. God, may that power and that knowledge be rest for us. May we lay our burdens at your feet, trusting that you will comfort us. You will give us rest. You and your mighty power will deal and heal with those things the way you see fit for your glory. And God, may the love that we feel, may the rest that we receive 
flow out of us to those who don't know you so that they can experience your love through us as we love them the way you've loved us. God, I pray for each person in this room, whatever their hurt, whatever their pain, whatever their brokenness, God, that they would experience your mighty power this holiday season in a way that shocks them, in a way that surprises them, in a way that moves them in the most unexpected of ways. All for your glory. God, make us a church dependent on your power. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.